you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 123 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, Bob Chichinsky, with my good, good friend, Dog Bark 24 My dude, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing excellent, man. Here on a patch notes week. It doesn't get any better, uh, as you guys know. These are mine and dog's favorite episodes, and they're uh, becoming more of our frequent episodes, unfortunately, as our lives have been so busy. But we are super excited for this one. Big update 40. Can you believe it? The completion of, uh, you know, 10 years of updates. It's, it's pretty wild. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is a it's a big one. We have broke the um big old, you know, patch notes into two episodes again. As has been our uh, kind of thing we've been doing recently. So we're going to uh get them out to you uh, as quick as we can, definitely before uh you know, us lowly console players get the update, but we're we're waiting patiently, and in the meantime, we're getting episodes out for you. So we got to do something while we wait, right, dog? Right, because there's a lot of waiting to do. There's a lot of waiting. This one's hitting hard. So, um, anyways, update forty has arrived, and that is what uh, we're talking about this week. So uh, buckle in and get ready to uh, know everything you're going to need to know for the rest of the year in ESO. And I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it did. So there you go. Ho, ho. Dog, do we have any news before we uh, go patch note mode? Um, well, the Witches Festival is still going on, so that's pretty neat. It is going on. One more uh, weekend, so that's kind of yeah. cool. I like that they actually gave it a little bit of time after Halloween this year. Especially with the update dropping during the festival, and with just, it's just Halloween, is everyone's so busy. Like, even if you're not doing trick or treating and carving pumpkins and watching movies and partying, then if you work in food service like I do, then oh man, you're probably screwed because everyone <laughs> else is partying and having a great day. So you're gonna, uh, you know, inevitably have a horrible day. What about you, dog? Did you guys sell ten thousand sandwiches? Because we sold like eleven thousand dollars of pizza. Uh, no, not really. Because you know it's snowing. Because it's oh, you know, Halloween. Right. It snows on Halloween here. And if it doesn't snow, then it rains, you know, so that's the thing. Uh, no, uh, like we did have a group of people, this big, large family come in at like, you know, 755. And they decided <laughs> that they wanted to eat in. So that was pretty neat. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. They're like, you know, what? it's snowing. It's Halloween. Yeah. Let's go get some sandwiches. Yeah, there's a very spooky winter wonderland. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, there you go, man. It was uh, like 80 and clear skies here, so (laughs) (laughs) a big big party day for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, Christmas is, you know, sunny, nice, clear day. Winter or uh, Halloween, snowy or rainy. Thanksgiving, probably going to snow. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah gonna be like super yeah. storm i'm sure for you for thanksgiving yeah super snowstorm probably and then you know christmas it was probably gonna be like 60 degrees or something again well that's yeah. what santa you know that's what he does for you yeah it's his gift to the midwest <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so guys the wistress festival is still going and if you were as busy as we were all week then I guarantee you're happy about it too. So cash in on those tickets. Get your uh, first piece of the Ursoc mount. I think that's what it is. Some word like that. Um, Yeah. You know, the first piece is there to get. So you want to get that. If you need uh, to build, you know, the pet again to make sure you have uh, a pet to turn into the mount. You know, this is the time to start cashing out on this because we are running low on events, guys. There only be two more this year, so it's time to get those tickets, get your double XP. Uh, yeah, and I, I told you I was gonna get my companion to level twenty, and Isabel officially is. I finally have a level twenty companion after all this time. Dang, that's. Oh, that's not impressive, actually. But that's <laughs> it took you it took you way too long. Well, I, I don't about to say that you know you got one of the new companions at level twenty. I was like, wow, that that that's pretty good. But no. Well, I don't really like. I wasn't big on the companions for a while. So oh. now that like I was like, oh, and then you know I was back and forth between PC and Xbox. So they just never got that high of a level. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I'll give it to you. Yeah, so I was excited for that. And yeah, that was all Dragon Star Arena, man. You go in there on normal with a companion. It's life-changing. Well, especially if your companion's a tank. It it really... Uh, it doesn't make it easier. It just makes your companion die less. Yeah, definitely. So, anyways... Uh, before we completely just diatribe into the few things we've gotten to do in ESO in the last week, we should probably talk some patch notes because we got a lot of freaking patch notes to talk about here, people. So, uh, I know we have been skipping our Cyrodiil scores lately. Um, it's been a literal miracle if we can even, uh, sync up to get a chance to record. And by then we usually not had a chance to get scores so but we never do scores during patch notes episodes because we've got like 15 uh, pages of notes for you guys so we will have them here in the uh, these upcoming months we'll get you guys updated and it's awesome now because all the they're all on the same schedule they all end on the end of the month it's pretty cool so anyways let's get this bump in uh dogged I see the first thing we're talking about is these brand new class sets. 
Yep, the class sets. So there's a new form of item sets. Uh, they're here, and you can earn from the Endless Archive. There are seven sets total, each focusing on a specific skill line from each of ESO's seven classes. And these sets come in all weights, light, medium, and heavy. Pretty cool. And uh, at first I was like, ah, oh, man, this is probably going to be like, Dragon Knights get heavy and Templars get light, but no, all the all the options. That's pretty cool. So let's go into some of these sets. First off, we do have the Dragon Knight set, the Basalt Blooded Warrior set, and it um it's in tune with the Earthen Heart skill line for the Dragon Knight. So uh two three four piece we're gonna go magic recovery max health and then weapon and spell damage buffs then on the five piece it reads that casting an earthen heart ability grants you a rock stance buff for 10 seconds well on your front bar you gain molten stance granting you major heroism which generates four ultimate every one and a half seconds while you are on your back bar, you gain Obsidian Stance, increasing your healing done and damage shields by 14%. Bar swapping, will, bar swapping will swap your stance automatically. So this is pretty interesting. This really leans into the whole offensive uh, line, skill line, bar line, and a defensive back bar. With all your buffs and everything. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely an interesting set. I don't think it's that great though, if I'm gonna be honest. I mean So like with the back bar one, it doesn't have a time though, you know? Yeah. Well I, I guess, guess the like... other one doesn't have a time too. It's just generates you know, you get major heroism for the ten seconds, so but then technically you could it can have a hundred percent uptime. You just cast an earth and hard ability every ten seconds. Yeah, I just don't like, you know, major heroism or minor heroism. I don't think it's like that it major. much ultimate. Well yeah, I don't like major or minor. I think they're oh, not okay. that great buffs, you know. Like you're yeah, I mean eight ultimate every three seconds. It's yeah, considering how much you generate just from doing damage and taking damage, it's not something that's necessary. I mean, it's nice to have passively, but maybe like it's a tank, I guess. But even then, it's, uh, yeah, I guess it's a little bit underwhelming, to be fair. I don't see anyone really swapping out like a a meta five piece set for this just maybe no definitely trying not. it out yeah. yeah all right so this one dog obviously is all yours take it away all right so this one is wrath sun this is the templars dawn's wrath set and this one's going to add some weapon and spell damage on its second and fourth piece with crit chance on its third piece and then its fifth three piece reads when you deal damage with a Dawn's Wrath ability, gain a stack of sunlight for 10 seconds, once per attack. You can have 40 stacks max and gain 12 magic of recovery per stack. When at max stacks, your Dawn's Wrath abilities deal 25% bonus damage 
and a Wrathful Nova is automatically cast on the enemy. But you cannot refresh Sunlight. When Sunlight expires at max stacks, you lose 50% of your current Magicka. And then there's a dev comment on here, and it reads, Wrathful Nova uses the same radius, damage, and other effects of Nova, and is cast on the last enemy you don't damage to using a Dawn's Wrath ability when you reach 50 stacks of Sunlight. So this set, I was kind of like a bit skeptical on if it was going to be good or not. But it sounds like, you know, it's pretty much just, you know, the same thing as Nova. And you get the whole synergy, too, which has a lot of damage. So it's pretty much, you know, a free ultimate, which is pretty awesome, especially in PvE. Um, yeah, plus an extra 25% bonus damage for 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really good, especially for, you know, Jesus Beam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was going to say, Don's Wrath, that's like all the Adric Spears and stuff, right? Or no, Dawn, it's not. No, it's the... It's like Sunfire, a Dark Flare and Vampire's Bane. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's still... Those are some effective skills, for sure. Yeah. But those aren't I, ones you spam as much. You spam Jesus Beam, though. During execution, but yeah, yeah, but to get that to forty stacks, well, I think it's like well, because most of them are like damage over time, and they take every other second, so it, it takes a little while. But it like if you use both the gunfire and uh, yeah. solar barrage, you can get like have two stacks going. Yeah, and I you like you said it PVE it probably makes more of a difference because I'm thinking PvP like that's hard to build up forty yeah. stacks because a lot yeah, of fights but... don't last that long. Yeah, and if they do, if you're in a fight that's lasting that long, then probably already miserable, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, plus the PvP, I think like losing fifty percent your current Magicka is right like, a bit brutal. Like, whereas in PVE, it's a lot easier to just have you attack three times and have all your Magicka back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we might see that one. Maybe I, I think yeah. we may see some people use that. It sounds like you may give it a try. Yeah, I might give it a try. I don't know what? if I would replace like I have to either replace False God or Crafty Alfique though. So Ooh, yeah. It's a bit hard, you know. I like both of those sets a lot. <laughs> yeah, well giving up either of them would be a direct like slap in the face to your magic reserves too. So. I know, yeah. It's so <laughs> bad. Like I'm gonna have to go with like, you know, a meta build. Like or something. Oof. I don't know. I might have to put like I might have to get rid of both of them and I won't like that. No, yeah, that's will go against maybe, all that you are. You know, maybe I'll like, I'll leave my main character the same, but I'll use one of my like other, you know, ten Templars that I have with that build. I'll use that set and like I don't know, some other set. You know. Alright, so let's move along here. Well dogged it drools over his templar set i'll give you guys the sorcerer one 
This is going to be the Monolith of Storm set for the Storm Calling line of the Sorcerer's Skills. 2-3-4, we're going to do a Critical Chance and two Weapon and Spell Damage buffs. And the fifth piece reads, Dealing damage with the Storm Calling ability's initial hit, or every fifth tick, creates a Monolith near the enemy for ten seconds, up to every one second. You may have up to three monoliths at a time. Monoliths link to your other monoliths within 28 meters of each other, each link dealing 3,000 shock damage every two seconds to enemies between and near them. An enemy can only take damage from this set once every two seconds. And the dev comment reads that every storm calling ability can trigger this set on initial damage. But damage over time, storm calling abilities will also trigger this set every fifth tick of damage. The monoliths you create will only link to your other monoliths. So, I don't know. For me, like, of the, the ones we've done so far, this seems the most underwhelming. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Like, it, def it definitely, like, falls in line with, like, you know, the storm damage, you know, lightning damage, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it doesn't even deal damage every second. Second, you know, yeah, two every two seconds. seconds. And it's only yeah. 3,000, and it does it for 10 seconds. That's five ticks. So it's I mean, it pro it'll probably do more damage based off, like, your stats, but, yeah, it doesn't sound appealing. So it would have to be, yeah, it, it would have to be quite the uh, increase from that base tooltip. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, just just by numbers on that side. It, and then it's like, your monoliths could be all over the place. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how hard it's going to be to position them. You know, like, can I just be like, I want a monolith here, drop it on initial damage, I want it here, and then just, like, trap, like, you know, a boss in my thing of the monolith. If he's hitting multiple beams of the monolith, does it do more damage? Like, there's a lot of questions with that set. And honestly, it really seems like questions that I will never find myself answering. Yeah, because how often do you play a Sork, honestly? Only when I do random dungeons or crafting rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and are you likely to change your Sork build? Well, you know. Probably not. Because I know I have it, <laughs> and I don't even know what my Sork's wearing right now, so. I PvP'd on that thing. Like, Infernal earlier this year. Aether, I think. And uh, Necropotence, of course. And I used to run a Lambrus, but now I think I run uh, Maw, because, you know. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like something you would do. All right, dog, drop us this Nightblade set. All right, we have Soul Cleaver. This is going to be for the siphoning skill line, and it's going to add weapon and spell damage on its second and fourth pieces with max health on its third, and then its fifth reads... While in combat, strengthen your siphoning abilities at the cost of ultimate, increasing the damage and healing of siphoning abilities by 
reduce the cost of siphoning abilities by 18%. Casting a siphoning ability while in combat drains you of 1% of your current ultimate with a minimum of 1. There's a dev comment, and it reads, You must have at least 20 ultimate and be in combat to gain any effects from this set. So this set, I think, is definitely the worst by far of any of any of them that we have read. I mean, I guess eighteen percent just isn't big enough in that case, or is there other problems with the set? I mean, I, uh, it you know, you, it reduces your ultimate, like you know, by one percent. I mean, if your ultimate's at two fifty, then it lowers it by two point five. I guess I didn't really think about that much. I had to do but, the math. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it depends because, like, if uh, does the eighteen percent damage apply to your ultimate if you can build it up? Because if it does, then you know that'd be pretty strong. But also, getting it back up again might be a bit of a hassle. Yeah, because you're right. Because it's every ability that you're casting. And that's like, you know, a lot, they're spammable is like a siphoning ability. Yeah. So I guess if you can like, like swap path, off. You're just like taking ultimate away. Yeah, that, that could be uh, quite the balance to have to deal with, you know. And it's like, do, am I really wanting to add more balance to deal with in my life as a Nightblade? Like I already have a lot of things that I'm thinking about. Yeah. All right, well, you want to take this Warden one, too, so I could handle, obviously, the potential best one of the Necromancers? Yeah, I guess I could handle the Warden. All right, we have Gardener of the Seasons. Is This is going to be for the Green Balance skill line, because, you know, Gardener, Seasons, Green. Man, I was hoping for the Animal Companions line, but oh well. No, we, uh, wait until, like, you know, next year. Probably maybe. Q1, maybe Q2. Oh, calling that, your you shots know. now, huh? Yeah. We guessed one thing right with the ghost net. <laughs> just calling shots. Yeah. All right. Uh, its passives are uh, two pieces, 4% healing done, three pieces, magic of recovery, and four pieces, whooping and spell damage. And then its fifth reads Equipping this set grants you Herald of Spring causing your green balance overheals to apply minor heroism for three seconds. Casting two non-green balance class abilities within two seconds consumes Herald of Spring and grants you Harbinger of Fall for six seconds, causing your green balance overheals to create an eight-meter aura for five seconds, applying major cowardice to enemies and minor vitality to allies within. You can only create an aura once every five seconds. And you cannot gain Herald of Spring while Harbinger of Fall is active. So I'm assuming then it just turns back into Herald of Spring after the six second Harbinger of Fall buff? I would assume so, yeah. Huh. I don't like that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of it. I just don't like any of the buffs. Like, I don't care about minor heroism. Like, that's nice for your allies, kind of, but not really. Uh, I, I mean, I, having it is good, but I don't think a whole set dedicated to it's good enough. Uh, major cowardice to enemies doesn't really, I think, do that much. 
Plus, yeah, and then minor vitality to allies. I mean, yeah, increases their healing received. And you know. there's not one major buff for your allies or you in this whole thing. Yeah, it's only major for your enemies. Like, okay, I don't know. That's a weird one. Well, that like, that okay. one's not very hard to beat. Like, I guess I could see it maybe as, like, a Warden tank. But even then, I think that one's, like, you'd only have to be using that as, like, the major cowardice part. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get to what hopefully will be the best set. All my necromancers stand up. We got... Nobility and Decay is the set name. And it's for the Bone Tyrant line, of course. We got, uh, which actually. Anyway, for the two and four piece, we got max health taken, or max health overall. Then for the three piece, it's a, I add healing taken percentage. So, obviously, leaning into the tank, uh, motif. And the five-piece reads that Casting a Bone Tyrant ability while in combat grants you beautiful corpse for 16 seconds, reducing your damage by 5% and increasing your armor by 2,974. And it grants you up to 12% healing taken and reduces your damage taken by up to 12%, both of which are based on your missing health. This could proc once every 20 seconds and is reduced by 2 seconds for each slotted Bone Tyrant ability. Casting a Corpse Consumer ability consumes Beautiful Corpse, treating you as a corpse. So I'd say that that last sentence is probably the only cool thing about this entire set. Is that you can use yourself as a a corpse. <laughs> but then you can't get the buff back. Because it can only proc once every 20 seconds. 16 seconds. Well, no. That's how long the buff lasts. But yeah, it procs every 20 seconds, but is reduced by 2 seconds for each Bone Tyrant ability. Well, yeah. So, I mean, depending so, like, on how many you have slotted. I'd say at least two, so probably 16, if not 14. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it sounds not like an like interesting it, thing to me. It, like, if you needed a corpse, that's the cool part about it, but you don't need a corpse. Like, within 16 seconds, you create a corpse yourself, so... I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, what? what about this one makes you interested? I don't know. I just think it's an interesting tank set, you know, good for like, yeah. you know, self-sustained, self-ability, self-surviving. Just like, I don't know. Other than it's... that, it's uh, not that great as far as like, you know, end game content goes. But Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess like, I don't know, like when they're building these sets, are they like thinking like, let's make something that's going to be meta? Or are they thinking like, let's make something that's going to be good or like I, I i don't know like where's the, like it's hard to 
try and understand what the balance is that they're going for in creating some of these sets because it's like i i just don't see someone you know taking off i mean this is even an older one but yolnagrin even is like I mean, why are you gonna wear this over that like i guess it's situational you know like you know? If you Maybe. really wanted self, like like you said, it's a big self-preservation thing. But why do you need that as a tank? Because, you know, those stupid, you know, bone goliath things in PvP. They're tanks and they just don't die. Now they can d not die by up to 12% based on our missing health. And be up to 12% more obnoxious. And they're already at like 150% obnoxious. So they're like, now they're going to be at like up to 162% obnoxious. So. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that one. I, I think, I think PVP tank is where this set will uh, probably see its most use. Well, you know, honestly, the Necro tank in pvp it died pretty hard a few years ago so if this could bring some of them back i guess i'll be okay with it as a fellow necromancer yeah all right doc finish this off in these class sets with the arcanist all right we have reawakened hierophant which is the curative refrain form arcanist skill line this one's going to give you 700 max magic maximum magica on his two three and four which i'm pretty sure is a little bit less than like the normal maximum magica that most things have or stamina but yeah so it seems like it's less magica on his two three and four which is interesting because normally every like that kind of stuff is standardized except for like really 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 rare cases yeah that is kind of weird and then it's fifth piece passive reads casting a non-ultimate curative rune form ability grants an effect for six seconds to your affected allies based on how many cruxes you had. At one crux, allies gain a damage shield that absorbs 3600 damage. At two, all allies gain or at two crux, allies gain minor heroism and at three crux, allies gain major protection. This seems pretty good. Doesn't seem like, like there's any, uh, you know, downtime. So this could be an interesting Arcanist healing ability for or healing set to, you know, give allies major protection, minor heroism, and a damage shield. Essentially, I would imagine, that, you know, nearly at one nearly at 100% uptime. Yeah, it looks like uh, at the first set, you said you didn't like the heroism, so they threw them in there as much as they can. Yeah, uh, I think the major protection and the possibility of 100% uptime might make this one much more uh, sought after compared to, compared to like the other ones. It's definitely still a lot to handle because, like, 
it's based on your crooks, so you got to make sure you have the right amount of crooks generated before you're casting, you know, said skill. I guess that's true. You have to, like, so, yeah, you have to have, like, a certain skill that's, like, uh, that's not a curative rune form that builds crooks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I would say healer-oriented. Maybe tank, but probably healer-oriented, though. But yeah. All right. So uh, we want to, of course, uh, take this little middle portion of the episode, which oh, more of a beginning break of the episode. But uh, we're through the class sets here. So before we get into the rest of the notes, we just want to remind y'all we're a part of the oh so wildly popular, even in uh, Saskatchewan. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it's everywhere. Robotsradio.net. I know you all have probably heard of it from us, but if you haven't checked it out, then now is the timing has never been better. There's amazing shows. Uh, Robots is always bringing in uh new creators with new content, and there's something just waiting for you to fall in love with i guarantee it so go check out all our friend shows at robotsradio.net do you love the witcher series and are interested in learning more about the world and the history and the monsters and the characters of the witcher well this is robots from shows like the fallout Lorecast and the elder scrolls Lorecast and the mass effect Lorecast. and me and my buddy toasty are now doing the witcher Lorecast. It's available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on right now. And we also record it live on Monday nights on twitch.tv slash robots radio at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So you're welcome to join us there. Again, it's the Witcher Lorecast available everywhere. Go check it out right now. All right, dog. So we have ourselves some update 40 notes. And it looks like we just got, you know. Pretty good assortment of stuff here, so uh, I I'll start us off, and we could just kind of hop back and forth. All right, sounds good. So with update forty, there are seventy-seven new achievements and three new titles. Um, probably a lot of the achievements uh, pertaining to the endless archive, etc. Um, the new titles involved are the the unending, Ink Slayer, and the Well Versed, and I can guarantee probably almost all three of those are deal with the endless archive. And Ink Slayer sounds pretty cool. So does the unending, but depending on the content required to get them, that will really determine how cool they are. The achievements on um are like the. Yeah. The achievements on them are a bit interesting because I think one of them is like a conqueror achievement, which is, you know, completing something on veteran, except for it's an, you know, it's the endless archive. There is no, you know, beating it on veteran. Like, That's true. There's no, there's, there's no beating it at all, actually. Yeah. It's so, endless. yeah, I don't know if it's like maybe like reach, you know, yeah, like 25 or, you know, whatever. But, That's kind of what I was thinking, like a certain, make a certain uh, wave or whatever. 
Alright, uh, update 40 also bring lots of new collectibles, starting with a mount, and it's called the Malographic Mount. Uh, and it's available after collecting and using 50 Malographic Acres. And there's also the pet, which is the Malographic Skeever, and it's available after collecting and using 25 Disgusting Spoils, because you know it's a rat. A large rat, so it's it, it would be sought sought after using you know disgusting spoils. So they also have uh, some new face and body marking collectibles. Um, the shattered text face markings are awarded to those who complete the. That's enough of thought achievement, and you'll get that when you get it. Believe me. The body markings are awarded for completion of the Endless Archive Challenger achievement. So, there you go. They also have the Mirror Maze face markings, which are awarded to those who collect and use 20 unreliable archive maps and complete the Peer into the Mirror Maze achievement. So you have two on that. The body markings are awarded for completion of the walk through the mirror maze achievement accomplished by collecting and using 20 erroneous archive maps all right next up we have a couple of mementos there's the summon booknado and it's awarded to those who complete the give me some mora achievement and there's malkas's accursed mirror and it's awarded to those who complete the I Got Some Mora achievement. I'm seeing, you know, a very intense Hermamora, you know, reference to some of these achievements names. Yeah, I mean, it is still his year. Yeah. They have two new outfits. The Red Rick Bandit. These bound style pages are available from Telvar Merchants and Frandar's Tribute. These style pages are available from Plain Tales of Tribute. So, there you go, all you Tales of Tribute fans. You got, you got something. Hooray. And lastly, we have a new die. And it's called the Arcmaster Moss die, and it's available after completing the Arcing Onward achievement. And that wraps up, you know, all the new collectibles. All right, so outside of collectibles, they also have some new antiquities. To be exact, there are 31 antiquities in total for this update. Many leads are found in the Endless Archive including the Apocryphal Clother Station, the Vision of Mara, the Infinite Tome, and the Archival Fortune Statues. So, those all actually sound like pretty cool things. And the leads are available in the archives, so hopefully everyone will be able to, without too much uh, waiting and you know, random luck because leads. Um, everyone will be able to get these fairly easily while enjoying the new content. 
In addition, you may come across leads, new leads in the following zones. Reaper's March, Glenumbra, Alacrid Desert, Deshawn, Shadowfen, Gold Coast, Clockwork City, Somerset, Northern and Southern Elsewhere, and the Deadlands. So lots of new leads for everyone to go enjoy, all you antiquity people. There's some for you this update, too. All right. There's also a new Tales of Tribute Patreon deck. They've added a new Patreon deck for Tales of Tribute found in the Endless Archive. It stands to reason that within the myriad Maisie Halls of the Endless Archive, a cultural curiosity can be uncovered. Um, a game amongst mortals, Tales of Tribute has indeed ended up in the seemingly infinite of the archive. Why wouldn't it? Further, the mortals adopted their own Patreon with its own rules, playing, paying homage to the Daedric Prince of Forbidden Knowledge, Hermes Hermaeus Mora, uncover the deck and its fragments within the shelves and books of the Endless Archive and play with newfound power to defeat your opponent. Be wary, however, as is always the case with Daedric Prince. Uh, such powerful knowledge comes at a price. In this case, cards that help you can also help your opponent. So, you know, basic Tales of Tribute stuff. But, yeah. This one, this deck actually sounds a bit interesting because I might actually be able to get, you know, all the weird clues and stuff because I know where they're all going to be because they're all going to be in the, in the uh, Endless Archive. I probably won't do them, but I could. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully I just get them as you... Well, I think they said there's some, like, secret side stuff in the archive, so that's probably how you get them. Yeah, I'll probably get them, and I'll be like, all right, I'll put this in my bank, and I'll never look at it again. Well, if it's the pieces of the deck, then it'll just go into your collections, and when you get them all, it'll just complete the deck. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how those work, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a good deck. I hope so. I haven't really been too fond of the new ones that they've added so far. I still just use the base ones when I play. Yeah, I don't play at all, so. <laughs> I play seldomly, but I did recently be like, man, I, I want to play Tales of Tribute for some reason. And I did. And I lost. But I also won. All right, so we've got uh, we've got you know our feet wet here, but let's really start getting into some of the crazy awesome stuff that is coming as a part of update forty. First off, we have the new group finder. So they say, I'll, I'll just and we're just gonna read straight from it. We've added a new tool to help you easily find other players to group with as a solo or partially filled group. You can access the new group finder through the group and activity finder menu. Note that this helps you find other players that want to do the same activities as you. It is not a queuing system. So a lot of uh, a lot going into that. So. Basically, they say that when you're searching for a group, 
or this is like the searching for a group. After navigating to Group Finder, you select a category that interests you. Currently, Group Finder supports the following categories. Dungeons, Trial, Endless Archive, Arena, PvP, Zone, or Custom. So, I mean, it basically supports almost anything. Because uh, you can have a custom thing. The results displayed are heavily influenced by the role you identify as, so damage, tank, or healer. And, you know, the group that you go into, they can, you know, you'll see which groups need your role, etc., etc. By default, any group you see is a group that you can join. And if you want to find a more specific group, there are several filters available to search for criteria such as CP requirements, voice chat, difficulty, and even more. So, you're probably wondering, this sounds kind of cool, kind of intriguing, not too sure maybe yet. Here's how you create a group listing, and then we can go into our thoughts on that. You can create a group listing for others to join. Note that you must be the group leader to create a group listing. After pressing the Create button, give your listing a name and select what activity you want to do with the group. You can specify additional criteria that your ideal group members would meet to join your group. You can either allow anyone into your group or have other players apply to join your group so you can check their class, level, and role. You can eat... Eat? <laughs> My mouse is in the way. <laughs> you can edit non-crucial details of your group listing after it is created. All right, so in layman's terms, you're going to have a whole new system. And we talked about this on, um, I mean, probably the last episode at this point, but it's going to be just basically like you could go create your own request of whatever you want to do, what roles you need. If you want to create certain requirements, you can, um, you know, it's very, very customizable. And people are just going to be able to scroll through a list of, okay, what are people requesting? And as I said, you're going to be able to filter that list in all kinds of awesome ways to really seek out the things that you're wanting to do. And I don't know. You know, it's been like, okay, this week, it's it's crazy, right? They drop the DLC. That's crazy enough. You have Halloween. That's crazy. You have, um, it was the World Series and the Arizona Diamondbacks are in it, which you guys might not care about. But that's a, they're a thing for me. They're like my number two team. So that was like an emotional, uh, an, an emotional loss in my life. So there's that. 
And um, it was also NASCAR championship this weekend, which, again, you guys might not care about, but big thing in my life. So it was an emotional week. You know, there, there's a lot going on. And I've been, especially on social media and everything. So I haven't really, like, done as much ESO Twitter as I want. Oh, and my band. We released our new EP last Friday. So I there's just so much. There's so much going on. And I don't know if I've just missed it or I haven't, maybe people just haven't been talking about it so much, but... I've really seen a lot of like response to from the PC players that like have access to this now. I haven't seen people like going crazy about it. But again, I could have easily just missed that. So I'm curious to see like um like how big of a deal that is. Maybe compared PC to Xbox, you know, like is it easier to find groups on um, you know, PC in different ways you know i don't know so i'm just curious i know that for me it's gonna be a huge thing because i have very hard time finding trials and just honestly things to do in eso in general so i i want to play with people and i struggle finding people to play at the very random times that i'm online so i think it's gonna be a really cool thing i'm so excited for it and there you go, dog. I talked forever, so what do you think about it? Yeah, um, I definitely think it'll be great. I wish I had it right now so I could, you know, find trials and arenas to do for the uh, Witches Festival, but I'm too lazy to sit in Craghorn, so I don't do those. Um Whereas, you know, with this, I could, you know, grind up my character until like a group's ready, be like, up, oh, time to swap and get ready to go. So, I'll, uh, next Witches Festival will be pretty amazing, you know? Yeah. All because of this. Yeah, I can't agree more, man. I think it's just going to be a uh, awesome thing. But, like I said, I talked enough, so. As long as you agree that it's going to be awesome, I guess we can move on. Alrighty. So the next up, we have another amazing addition to the game, and that's the Grandmaster Crafting Stations. Yay! Are you proud of your enormous collection of item set stations, but find yourself frustrated by how much space and furnishing count they take up? Have you ever wished there was a way to take the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of set stations for a trade skill and squish them together into a single all-in-one station? Well, good news. Four brand four brand new top-tier crafting stations to consume your attuned crafting stations and host them in a unified space are coming to your local alliance furnisher. Hooray. Yep. The biggest of big deals for housing other than adding more slots, pretty much. Because it kind of is adding more slots, but not necessarily if you don't actually have attunables. So it's cool that for those that do. It's really, really cool for, you know, guild houses. It's like groundbreaking. Yeah. 
Uh, each of these can be purchased for 1500 rip vouchers from Faustina Curio and Elden Root, Wayrest, or Marnhold, provided you have completed the unsurpassed crafter achievement. Which, you know, if you have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of things, you probably have. So, just, just a hunch, though. Uh, as new craftable sets are released, you'll be able to attune those and feed them into Grandmaster stations as well. And the gorgeous looks of these super superlative crafting stations improve based on the number of different crafting stations they've absorbed. So you have to unlock them all to see what happens. Who knows what happens? Yeah, that's actually pretty cool, too, honestly. And I think that it, I mean, obviously we'll get to see, you know, what happens because we're in guilds that have them all. So that's pretty cool. But um, just the fact that they thought to even do that is a really cool thing. So, I mean, I'll try not to gush over this too much because I think, honestly, you guys know how much I think this is a cool thing. But, yeah, it's a really cool freaking thing. Um not only is it a great idea, but I think they nailed the execution. So I'm really excited to get my hands on this one. Yeah, but here's the real question. All right. Do you think that they standardize the way that jewelry crafting works? Because if you go into the various different uh, crafting sets, some are rings first, followed by necklaces. Some are necklaces first, followed by rings. And it's super annoying. Like, really annoying. Like, why did they do that? Kind of annoying, you know? <laughs> Especially when you uh, go and you want to craft, you know, jewelry writs. And, you know, you're like, oh, well, I'm doing rings. Rings are always on the first. Oh, just kidding. Not for this set, because this set is dumb. Even though this set is like, you know, like... 30% of the sets in the game. But yeah. I really hope they do that. Otherwise, so you're that, like when you go into the jewelry craft table and you go to a specific set, is it every set going to be the same? Yeah, I want every set to be necklaces first followed by rings or rings first followed by necklaces. Okay, I well, don't the care. All crafting set is rings followed by necklaces. So. What? Like, if you just go to a basic crafting station, it's rings, then necklaces. Yeah, so then they should make every set do rings, then necklaces. I'm fine with that. I think that, yeah. that they should do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think <laughs> so either. But I really I'm, hope that they do. If I'm being Otherwise, perfectly be honest. Angry. Yeah, I really don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But Maybe, you know, a couple of weeks from now, I'll have like, you know, an angry, you know, episode where like, no, they didn't do it. But hey, or we'll have a happy the, episode where they did do it. So you called the niche with the ghost cloud around it. So oh um, yeah, with the, the ghost little... sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you called that. So hey, maybe you're on gonna just go on a roll here. Yeah. Okay, but since Dog spoiled it, speaking of jewelry crafting rebalance, uh, we have it. It's here. It's U40. Um, yeah, 
you know, once again, I'm, we're, I'll just read it and try not to gush over it too much, because, again, I'm sure you guys understand how much in love with this I am. So, jewelry crafting has long been a special case compared to the other gear crafting types. With this update, we're bringing it back in line with other crafting with a few major changes. Firstly, we're doing away with those pesky jewel crafting grains. Existing jewelry crafting plating will be converted into 10 platings, and every jewelry crafting grain will become a plating. So each jewelry grain becomes a plating. So if you have 50 chromium platings, Okay, no, if you have 50 chromium grains, then you'll get 50 new platings. And if you have 5 chromium platings currently, then you'll have 50 chromium platings. So if you do both of those together, you'll have like 100 gold platings. And I give you that math because that's pretty much where I am right now, so that's in my head. But anyways, yeah, so... The grains, if you look at them right now on console, each grain is going to be one plating. So whatever grains you have, just direct translation, platings. All the platings are going to be 10, so times that by 10 and add them to your grains. That's how many total you have. PC, obviously, you guys uh, are already experiencing this uh, dream life. Congratulations. Everyone's jealous. Secondly... The boosters needed to upgrade jewelry have been increased to match the other crafting types. The result of these two changes is upgrading rings and amulets will be much easier. These core changes ripple out to the other areas. Notably, master crafting rates are being rebalanced to account for this huge change in extra cost. And existing crafting rates will be unchanged, but new ones will use this rebalance formula. So you know what that means. Jewelry crafting writs are going to be do them, do them, do them, and you're going to make thousands of writs, pretty much. Vouchers, at least. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, especially, like, you know, any of the old ones. Even the, like, really old gold ones, which are only, like, 150 or so, if you can find any, you know, most people end up destroying those because those were garbage after well, they read really... Some of the blue ones are, like, 200. What the blue ones are always like 20 to 30, like 25 to 30. What are you on about? Really? I don't know. That that seems some of the purples are 200. I must have some of those. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you have a blue 200 jewelry, right? You know, something broke and you are very lucky, but yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's gonna be wild. It's going to be very exciting. Just being able to gold out all my jewelry. Finally, man. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I might actually go and you know, gold out jewelry. Because I can. I mean, I always could. But now it's much more reasonable to be like, up. Oh, I'm okay with throwing away 8, eight chromium plating at this now. Yeah, man. So, jewelry crafting. Big, big changes. I think this is something for sure everyone's going to love. And once again, something they thought of and executed seemingly very well. So can't wait 
again to get my hands on that one. So, dog, what do we got next? All right. Next up, we have the Prologue Quest Bestower Redistribution. Redistribution. I feel like I said that word twice, wrong twice in a row, but oh well. Uh, as part of our ongoing efforts to declutter the early game areas for the benefit of new players, Prologue Bestowers that are present in world have been shuffled about. As a rule, most prologues, with a few exceptions due, due to their either relative isolation or knock-on effects from moving them, will be present in only one location as thematically and situationally appropriate. Pretty cool. Uh, upon accepting any prologue quest through any bestow method, you will receive a small pop-up on the bottom right warning you that you've accepted a prologue quest. All prologues are still accessible through the Crown Store quest starter entries as normal. And the new locations where any moved prologue quest bestowers are of Knives and Long Shadows, which is Clockwork City, is now in Mage's Guild of Vivex City Vardenfell. The Raven Watch Inquiry, which is the Mark Arth prologue, is outside of Evermore and Banker Eye near the Way Shrine, which could be bit confusing because there's two way shrines and they don't specify uh, specify so that's interesting who knows could be north could be east you'll never know until you look uh the missing prophecy which is the vardavel prologue it's gonna be in mournhold the shan the demon weapon which is the elsewhere prologue it's gonna be in recall reaper's march immortal's touch which is the blockwood prologue is going to be in the Hollow City, Cold Harbor. An apocalyptic situation with the Dead Lives prologue, prologue is going to be in Belkarth, Crackworn. Uh, Ascending Doubt, which is the High Isle prologue, is going to be away rest, Stormhaven. You have Ruthless Competition, which is the Merkmire prologue. It's going to be in Stormhold, Shadowfen. Sojourn of the Druid King, Firesong Prologue, and Evermore Banker Eye. The Coven Conspiracy, which is the Greymore Prologue, and it's going to be in Riften and The Rift. The Dragon Guard's Legacy, which is the Dragon Hold Prologue, and it's going to be in Sentinel Alicure Desert. And lastly, the Eye of Fate, which is a Necron Prologue, and it's going to be Sedrith Mora Vardenfell. Additional prologues may be shuffled about in future updates to keep the streets of Daggerfall, Layrest, Devon's Watch, Mournhold, Vocal Guard, and Elden Root free and clear of stray people pestering you for help. So that's actually pretty nice. Especially for, you know, anyone who's doing new characters, because there's they're all over the place and you know the big cities. Well, that's uh, quite a lot of prologue quests in quite a lot of different zones there, dog. Yep. And now they'll be in all of those zones instead of like in every single city, in every single area, in everywhere. Well, thank goodness. Maybe I'll actually do some of them now, but I'm not going to guarantee that. <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, like you do prologue quests. Come on now. We know that's yeah. not a thing. I mean, come on now. 
All right, so next up we've got improved daily quest rewards for the Fighters, Mages, Guilds, and Undaunted. Which is kind of a guild as well, but you know, they don't have guild in the name, so it is what it is. Anyways, the rewards provided for the daily quests, not the pledges, just the dailies, for these three guilds, once again, I mean, Undaunted guild you know they're really just as dogged would put it a motley collection of insane fools i'm pretty sure that was gina all right oh I'm like 70 well, percent you know. sure that was gina fair enough so uh they've the rewards have been completely revised so some of the key differences between the guild's preferred loot the coffers will now contain a random assortment of the following. Companion gear, awesome. Overland set gear from the zone to which the quest takes you, awesome. Ornate gear, which sells for more, awesome. And gold, awesome. Also deconstructible equipment, which prioritizes a trait you do not have researched yet. That's freaking awesome. Or intricate if you've already researched all traits for that item. This does not include Nernhone. You're on your own with that, friend. Jewelry only drops with robust, arcane, or healthy traits. So, is what it is. Still an improvement. It also uh, continues to be a selection of random crafting materials, a small chance for a new guild commendation, which upon consuming grants you a small amount of reputation with the guild, and these can be traded and stacked. Or, finally, a chance for a Draugr motif style page, with an exceedingly tiny chance at the whole motif book, which would just be so freaking cool so yeah um actually a little bit of incentive to go do those dailies that's pretty cool so they do have just a couple more points here for each drops for the fighters guild daily prioritize heavy armor one and two-handed axes one and two-handed maces and shields drops for the mages guild Naturally, prioritize light armor and all staff-type weapons. And drops for Undaunted, prioritize medium armor, one- and two-handed swords, daggers, and bows. So, yeah. Uh, dog, looks like we're going to be doing some guild dailies here soon. Yeah. I mean, guild dailies are nice and fun. Now... Here's the question. How many guild commendations do you think it'll take to get go from Mage's Guild 1 to Mage's Guild 10? <laughs> uh, it's. I think the amount is unfathomable. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Like we'll, we'll have to do these for like, you know, literal years in order to, you know, in order to finally be able to do it but yeah 
I mean, if they ever did make the Mages Guild thing easier, everyone would be so mad. It'd be like, dude, I searched all these books on all these characters. I mean, I I'm, guess they kind of were mad when they made it where you could just buy it. Yeah. But you had to have already done it on one character at least. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing that on my Arcanist right now and getting Sky Shards and Perfect. doing, you know, public dungeon stuff for skill points. Because my characters eat skill points like it's, you know, candy. <laughs> Dude, I feel that. I really do. Yeah. All right, dog, what do we got next? All right, there's some updates to quest experience and gold rewards. In an effort to standardize the XP and gold rewards of quests based on their categories, a mass audit was conducted across all quests in the game. The category, the categorization gets a little fiddly, and exactly how much XP and gold you get is based on your current character level. But the general breakdown of what kind of quest gets what kinds of rewards are as follows. Maximum possible gold and XP rewards. These will be your zone stories, your main stories, your prologues, your battleground quests, your and your trial quests. High gold and high experience rewards. These will be your most subjective slash point of interest quests. Your incursion daily quests, like dragons and that kind of stuff. Uh, world boss daily quests. Dungeon quests. Dungeon pledge quests. And public dungeon quests. Next up, standard gold and XP rewards. These will be your miscellaneous zone content quests. Your fighters, mages, and Andana daily quests. And your delve daily quests. Low gold and experience rewards will be just event quests. So like the New Life Festival quests, that kind of stuff. I guess probably Witches Festival too, but mainly that one. Or mainly, you know, those. Uh, minimum possible gold and XP rewards. These will be your trivial and vector quests. The kind that exists only to direct you from one place to another. So, like, those are, like, you know, enter the trial and you can go turn in the quest. Or, like, okay, go to this area of Oridon. Oh, hey, go to this area of Oridon. Oh, hey, go to that area of Oridon. Or any zone, really. All right, minimal possible XP with maximum possible gold. These are going to be your basic crafting rits. And then you have maximum possible XP and standard gold. And these are going to be your master crafting rants. And lastly, any serial quests were left alone from what they were previously set to. So I think that's because, you know, scout quests are easy. So it's probably like minimum. Whereas the capture keeps are like, you know, harder. So that that makes a lot. Of, that actually makes sense. They are kind of standardized as is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty surprised that they went ahead and did this. I'm uh, just another thing that I'm like, wow, okay, I'm super happy about this. Like, it's cool that everyone kept being like, oh, they should just take out an update and do, you know, stuff like this. And then they were like, okay, we're going to. And it makes you like, oh, man, what if they, 
you know, just do a bunch of stuff that no one cares about, but they really like have focused a lot of good stuff so far. So once again, just seemingly another good change. Just incentivizes you to keep playing, you know, like that's a good thing. Yeah, I always kind of wondered like why some quests gave you more and like what the thing is. And now I know. So now everybody knows if they listen to this episode or like, you see, you know, the last five minutes and then it space off when I started seeing quests in gold and experiencing gold. So are we ready for these new furnishings then, dog? I believe so. Yeah. All right. Let me crack my knuckles for this one because we got a lot of new furnishings, guys. We have endless archive furnishings, which is good because, you know, that, you know, first off, there's going to be cool stuff in there you want to be able to put in your house. Second off, gives housing mansers a reason to go in there. Third off, I like furnishings and that I think it's cool. So there you go. Yeah. And fourth off, there could be skulls. Oh, well, there. <laughs> just another reason for Dog to go in there. Yeah. So we've got 71 new furnishing plans, which can be acquired via the vendors from the Endless Archive or from chests in the Endless Archive. 11 new achievement furnishings that can be earned from the Archive achievements and purchased from the Archive vendors. And from now on, I will be referring to the Endless Archive as Archive, in case you didn't catch that. 14 new antiquity furnishings with its lead acquirable from the Archive and excavatable in the Telvani Peninsula Zone. 65 new interactable book furnishings, which can be acquired via the vendors from the Archive. Seven new furnishings, which can be acquired from chests in the archive. Sixteen new home good furnishings, which can be purchased from the Telvani Peninsula's home good vendor. And four new Tales of Tribute tapestry furnishings, which can be acquired from Tribute Victory coffers. So, dogged, you don't have to own... Necrom to access the Endless Archive, do you? No, you don't. But to do these, to get some of these furnishings and the antiquity ones and stuff, clearly you do. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. No, that's all I'm gonna say on that. Still, there are a lot of earnable ones just throughout the archive itself, and that is pretty cool, too. Very interested to see what those are. And, um, yeah, just another uh, another reason to get up in the archive. So, Some of the older zones are receiving a number of new furnishings to bring them up to our updated reward standards. These zones and updates include the Alakar Desert, Dishanon, as Dog typed it, Glenumbra, <laughs> Reaper's March, Shadowfen, and the Deadlands all have one new purple antiquity furnishing. Wow. That's, that's right. a lot. Yeah. So I the way how they set that up, all right, there was like <laughs> each zone had their own little thing. 
So I condensed like a page and a half of show notes. And apparently I misspelled Deshaun. All right. Like you could be going on like you would still be talking about that, about all these things with only one new purple antiquity furnishing if I didn't condense it. So you're welcome. I'll let you continue. Well, in that case, then Clockwork City, Gold Coast, Northern Elsewhere, and Southern Elsewhere, and Somerset all also have one new purple antiquity furnishing, but they also have four new interactable book furnishings. How about that? Now, Cold Harbor and Rothgar have four new interactable book furnishings. But that's it. And lastly, Hughes Bane is special because it only has three new interactable book furnishings. And that's it. So there you go. Interesting stuff right there. Lots of antiquity stuff. And, you know, I hope it keeps getting people into it. I basically do the mythics and that's it. I... Yeah, me too, pretty much. I don't even think I have that uh, Evan Dwarven Mount yet. I'm not surprised. You were. Never I feel like I'm only like a third of the way there. Maybe, maybe 50%. But yeah. Still have a long ways to go on that. Maybe next year. Probably not next year. Probably not. But you never know. All right, Doc, what uh, what do we got next? All right, next up we have some set changes. Starting off with Cold Harbor's favorite. They fixed a rare issue where this set could go on cooldown, even if Honor failed to appear, which wasn't very honorable. So yeah, just a bug fix. But I liked, you know, I like Gina's pun, so it was added, of course. Uh, Age's Caller. They changed it. this set's three-piece bonus from Stamina Recovery to Crit Chance to better facilitate its proc requirements. And I know you use Age's Caller. So. Now you know. It, your uh, Age's Caller does better. Well, thank goodness, because um, it was doing pretty mid- this entire time but I still liked it so there you go just a little bit better though you know crit chance I mean yeah a little bit all right next up we have Azure Blight Reaper they fixed an issue where this set could generate stacks off some direct damage attacks such as Daedric Mines we also uh or here's a big one we have Pillar of Nern they reduce the total damage of the set's proc by approximately 22%. They adjusted the two-piece bonus to 657 uh, crit chance rather than this max stamina. And there is a dev comment, and it reads, We're finally taking a look at Pillar of Nern's place in the game. Have we seen it pull ahead of a considerable number of other offensive options over time? Since Pillar only requires a stationary target for its initial hit, we're trying to better align its power to where it's weaker than a set like Aegis Caller. 
that requires a more consistent stationary target while being stronger than directly applied over time effects like Viper Sting or Unleashed Terror. Simultaneously, to ease the nerf of the proc and to aid its approachability for build types, we're adjusting the bonus to be more impactful and universally powerful with, crit with critical chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it seems like... Uh... I like how they was trying to soften the blow, like, oh, it's a nerf, but it's not that bad. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, I'm just glad I never farmed it. I almost farmed it, but I decided, nah. I think I did farm it one time, but I never used it, so it is what it is. That's even worse, honestly. Well, you, you know, I get wanting bored, to I just it. want to do stuff. And oh. I run the build, and I'm like, yeah, it's not that much better. Or if it is better, or, you know, it's usually the same, honestly. And then lastly, we have Eye of Naventas and Twilight Remedy. They updated these sets' tooltips to better describe their conditional requirements to gain their effects. And they now clearly state the sets only activate on allies who activate a synergy you have granted them within a duration of that synergy being made available to the ally. And they increased the window of opportunity for allies to activate the sets to 10 seconds up from 5. So that's nice. Yeah. I, I don't really know what those sets are, but I know they are healing sets. So They are sets that no one uses. I'll well, say that. Maybe they'll use them now. Probably maybe. not. But they, they could, alright. Hey, you know, I wish I would have touched up more sets, honestly, but... Did they? And you only just put a few. Uh, they yeah. I think there's a lot of bug fixes on many more yeah, sets, but well, it was just like bug fixes, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still waiting for them to change up Wisdom of Venus and for that summer set set to be you know meta, because I still have like golded out jewelry and like stuff like that, just you know, sitting in a chest on my ship waiting for it to be used and you know it's been like three or four years and it's never been buffed at all so but one day they might and i'll be ready the day will come man yep i'm waiting for it <laughs> all right so we've got two more big sections for you guys um, the first of them being the Tales of Tribute changes. So, in general, for Tales of Tribute, here's a, um, you know, a big one. Hear ye, hear ye, card sharps and for you mites. Soren Gerard, the Tribute Herald, is now only present in Wayrest's Cloudy Dregs Inn and won't yell at you until you get reasonably close to her. So, yeah, another uh, Stuga change, you know, just gotta tone those people down sometimes. Or make them not follow you. Beyond that fantastic change, they also adjusted the difficulty of the novice AI to make it a bit easier. And I'm not gonna lie, I haven't played in a while, I've played a novice AI, and it freaking beat the crap out of me. I was like, what the heck? They buffed it too hard. They're like, all right, we, we made them too hard. got to roll it back some. Yeah, okay. Like a little They're bit. too smart now. <laughs> they kept getting smarter every update. They're like, oh, no, hold on. 
So the proficient AI now has access to the fully upgraded Almalexia deck, and expert AI has access to the unupgraded Hermaeus Mora deck. They updated the help entries for tribute to use the correct icon for draw, and screen effects will no longer persist during tribute matches. So all good things so far. As far as gameplay, these are uh, changes for the specific decks. So Almalexia, the Festival of Forbearance decreased from four to three in cost. The Bardic Veneration decreased the cost from four to three as well. Mournhold Clergy decreased the cost from six to five. And the Lesson of AM decreased the cost from five to four. So we're going to get a lot of some changes like that right now. And if they're cards I know, I will shout them out. But I don't know them all specifically. So if you know them, though, I know you're sitting in your car just like you hear it and you're just like, it hits you deep. But anyways, or it's a good change. You know, that happens sometimes. So for the Druid King deck, Wisp Collar Totem changed the three coin on combo three to a two coin combo. And Drea Fright Collar and Elder Tide Fen Witch removed the one coin on play. In the St. Pelin deck, Armory moved the plus one coin from play to combo two. Oh, really? And then Rally moved one power from play to combo two. Well, I mean, Rally's overpowered, but still, like, come on. And then the Sorcerer King Organum deck, the patron ability got touched up on this one. For Favored, that changes the card created from Maurmer Boarding Party to Somerset Sacking. And Neutral, reduced cost from three coin to two. And Unfavored, reduced cost from two coin to one. So, yeah, interesting. And in that deck, the Serpent Guard Rider added plus one power to combo two. And the Storm Shark Wave Caller increased power of base effect from one to two. Now we've got a few decks left here. So the Grandmaster Lalu deck. Custom Seizure increased Acquire from five to six. Now the Sigic uh, so Lore Master Solaris deck, the Sigic's Insight, and the Sephiroth's Insight changed on play replace one to a plus two coin on play. And also, Time Mastery increased Toss four on play, Toss four on play to five. So you get to Toss five. So that's interesting. Now for the Rajin, the Purring Liar deck, last one that got touched up, the Jeering and Prowling Shadow increases HP from 1 to 2, so that's cool. And Shadow Slumber and Jarring Lullaby moved 1 coin from combo to 2 play. So that one got some increases a little bit, actually. And last kind of notes on Tales of Tribute, as far as the rewards go, they increased the daily first PvP win of the day from purple to gold. Previously, this was only attainable by completing all three stages, so winning and winning and winning. And now you don't have to, so that's cool. And then the new tapestry furnishings of Seeker Aspirant and Chromatic Reservoir 
can be discovered in tribute reward purses. Plus, the UI deck fragments for the Druid King now have a unique icon. So, a little bit of everything. Tails got touched up in a few different ways. If you're someone who's still into it, I commend you. Congratulations. I go in and out. You know, I'm like, oh, I'll play some like every now and again. So I do like getting the new decks when they come out. So that's kind of a cool thing. But anyways, we are about done with this episode. We have one more section for you all. Some more of the miscellaneous kind of stuff. Dog is going to take it over. And uh, unless you uh, wanted to jump in on anything of Tales of Tribute, Dog, but if not. Um, no, not really. Like, I knew a few of those cards, mainly like the Sigic ones. It's like, oh, I know those. I remember those. I played those. But that's about it. <laughs> All right. So you were talking about Stuga earlier. And honestly, I think you're a bit harsh because. One of the first changes is the invitation to Orsinium. And this is mainly has to do with Stuga. And Stuga has been re-recorded and has new voice acting. Her lines also re received some revision as a result of getting a new actor in the studio. Stuga is now relegated only to the stables in Shornhelm. Nothing personal, Stuga. And, you know, I just like to say, poor Stuga. She got curb stomp a second time, maybe even a third time. And now she's just at some, you know, stables in Shornhelm. I don't even know where Shornhelm is. Do you do you do you know where Shornhelm is, Bob? Um Stormhaven? I yeah, I don't know. You don't know, maybe. Who knows? Um actually I think it's in a uh, Banker Eye. Maybe Ooh, that's a maybe, good guess too. Maybe no matter what, you know what? It's a yeah, we don't know <laughs> because we're the best. Yeah, but you know who hasn't been curb stopped, Bob? Who? Emma Hild, Last Child, and Ferdin Baran, and their stupid complaining in front of the Deshaun Fighters Guild. Always complaining, those two. Always complaining. And then oh, you know who else too. Is um the chick? Oh, have you done the Cyrodiilic collections? If you want to adventure, Merc Meyer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, th th there's that one too. You know, I forget what she says exactly, but you all know the what I'm Cyrodiilic talking about. Cyrodiilic collections needs you. Yes. Yeah. Then there's also you know Kurturos and his stupid singing in the Alanor crafting area. The only NPC in the game that I regret saving, I should have stabbed him in the back. You know, if I was to if I was to have a choice between saving Manamarco or Kurtaros, I would get I would save Manamarco because you know Manamarco doesn't sing, and mm -hmm. questionably he may have saved Tamriel actually, but also endangering it. It's a bit weird, but you know, yeah. Here we go. We're getting deep lore with dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, you can't forget about Florentina Candidus and her pesky question. 
Tabor Zeras of dragons in your own homeland? What are you going to do? And, you know, his answer should be appropriately be to curb stomp her to Shadowfen because no one goes to Shadowfen. Why would you go to Shadowfen? Nothing goods in Shadowfen. Just, you know, exactly. No one likes going there. No one wants to go there. So Zeras just needs to kick her to Shadowfen. Every time I go there for roots, I'm pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but you know, all those people deserve to be curb stomped, not poor Stuga for the third time. Look, man, Stuga has done a lot of hurt to the community, okay? Yeah. Three times is good, but if if they do four, then I'll be like, (laughs) that's too much. Three is the right amount. We need to stop Stuga abuse now. Okay, well, that means that next time will be too much. Okay, so... Uh, well, we it. need to stop Stuga abuse last, last, time? Mo- last time. This is too much. Well, you should have spoke out more about it, dog. Yeah, I should have. But now I am, so... Okay, no more. No more yeah. Stuga abuse. She's been curb stomped three times. Her jaw is yeah. broken. Stuga will feel better if, you know, they curb stomp those people. There you go. You know, speaking of Madame Marco, though, they fixed an issue where the cartographer costume would preview as the Madame Marco costume. Pretty weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe Madame Marco sometimes, you know, hides as a cartographer. All right. Uh, Next up, they reduced the prices of the wares from the golden vendor. Uh, please note that there will be a pricing discrepancy for her wares between console and PC players until update 40 launches for consoles on November 14th, which is in eight days. And Overland Jewelry will now cost 125,000 gold or 225,000 AP. And Dungeon Jewelry will now cost 200,000 gold or 375,000 AP. And monster masks and shoulders will remain the same. So basically, Bob is happy. Yeah. And my AP and my bank is happy. But yeah, I think that's because, you know, they changed the gold thing, you know, gold jewelry. So that's true. But yeah, definitely nice. Yeah, it is. Right. They uh, fixed an issue where you could not log in onto some characters if you had too many outgoing gifts. Gifts are now limited to 500 at a time. And honestly, that seems a bit excessive. You know, who's the person out there with more than 100 outgoing gifts? Who are you? Whoever you are, I think you need to be curb stomped with Suga. Whoever you are, we want to know. (laughs) We want to know why you aren't sending us gifts. (laughs) You have so much gifts to send. Why are you not on the list? Yeah, send us gifts or be curb stomped to to some Shornhelm stables. We don't even know where that is, but you'll be sent there. We're still doing the research to find (laughs) out. We don't know. All right, and lastly, and unfortunately, they fixed an issue where your mount speed could go above 60 in some rare cases. And that sounds like a blessing. I wish that could happen to me. 
Yeah, I'd probably have been like 61. What a troll. I mean, I would have been perfectly fine with 61. I'm sure you over. would. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you all are as happy with this episode as Dogged would be with 61 mount speed. Because in, if you are, then we have succeeded. I'll tell you that. And um, I don't know. I think it was a good episode. I feel, I feel pretty happy about this episode. We got to talk about some stuff we've been really excited about for a long time. And uh, yeah, we still got more to talk about in the upcoming episode of Patch Notes. So, Dog, why don't you do the honors, man? Where can the people find us? All right, you can find us on Twitter or X of the at Red Diamond Cast. You can find us on Facebook of the Red Diamond Courier. And you can find us on our ESOPC or Xbox Guild of Airs the Red Diamond, which you can join on the Robots Radio Discord found on robotsradio.net. And if you check our show notes, you can find all the wonderful things you're wanting to find, like links to our merch store, ESO-Hub.com, which always respectfully gives us a shout-out, and we respectfully give it back to them. And our music producer, who makes amazing music, and you should employ him. And also, if you guys leave us a review on Apple with five stars and words, because they're the only one that lets you do words, We'll gladly read your words out like goofballs. I'll make dog read it if you want to. You could request. You could have request to have Graham come back on the podcast and read it. I do, you could request to have the lore master of ESO read it. And I'll, you know what? I'll make it happen. So why don't you just go write that? All right. So anyways, you guys, uh, you know what to do. Go check out all the good stuff. And, uh, Dogged, where can the people find you? You can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all of at Dogpark24. And for me, it's going to be Xbox, ESOPC, Twitter, and Twitch, or X, I guess, not Twitter. But it's me, Bob underscore Chichinsky, and just with a space, not an underscore on Xbox, so... Thank you guys again for hanging out. I know that was a deep dive of information and take some time to process it and then get ready for the next episode because we've got a bunch of more coming for you guys. So thank you again for hanging out. Dog, thanks for being here. And we will catch you guys very shortly with the next half of this delicious Patch Notes um, extravaganza. Yep, see ya. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel.